A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome along to Writer's Routine. This week, we're having a look inside the day of Sophia Money Coots. Her brand new book is The Wishlist. It's out on the 6th of August. It's a rom-com all about Florence. Florence, who writes down her, her perfect man uh, in a little note to herself. And then soon after, she is aghast uh, when he wanders into her bookshop one day. We talk about the different types of person that you can be to get you working every day, a morning or an afternoon person, and whether that definition is actually useful at all. You can also hear about the narrative voice and how Sophia decided which one Florence would have. Uh, And also, uh, she started off as a journalist, Sophia, so you can hear how that has affected her novels. I started out my writing life as a journalist, and therefore I'm more used to writing short pieces, you know, 500 word pieces or 1200 word pieces you really finesse and you really have to think about every single sentence. Whereas with a book, if you're trying to get to 90,000 words or 100,000 words, there isn't, you haven't got, I mean, you know, if you if you leave years and years, then of course you've got the time to, to go over every sentence. But I am trying to get better at just getting the words out at the moment and then going back potentially at the end of the day and and fiddling around. Um, it's not, it's not, ha- it's not that successful. And I find it very hard to move on for a sentence if I'm not that happy with the previous sentence. But I think for fiction, the flow is better if you can somehow keep going. Loads more on the way with Sophia Money Coots. Fantastic name, brilliant book, amazing chat. Stay there. It's this week's writer's routine. Yes, welcome along. Uh, My name's Dan, thank you so much for finding us. This is Writer's Routine, the show that takes a sneak peek inside the working day of some of the most successful authors around. Now this week we've got a writer of all sorts, Sophia Manikoots. She is a journalist, an author, she writes for the Sunday Telegraph, the Evening Standard 2, she's written for Tatler, for the Mail, for the National, Uh, and this is her third novel, it's called The Wishlist. Now she had the idea for it at a very mm, adult party. In fact, before we go on, I'm going to warn you, quite a lot of adult chat in this. Uh, (laughs) You can have fun with that. It's on the way. Now, Sophia and I are both morning people. And I've actually found doing over 100 episodes of this show that writers are one or the other. They maybe because the reason they don't work a nine to five is because they like can't really do that. They that's not how their flow works. I'm getting very zen, but that's not how their energy stream kind of goes through the day. My word, what words am I using? Um, but most writers are either getting it done early or they're hanging in there and getting it done late. Uh, we talk about why that is and if it's self-fulfilling. 
and how useful those definitions actually are. We also talk about naming, uh, and you can hear my theories of how people fit into their name. I mean, I tell pretty much anyone that will listen that naming theory. And I can't believe we've done the show for so long and you've not heard it yet. So stick around for that. Um, and there's loads about the book, don't worry, and actual writing. That's the reason we're here. It's a proper lovely, proper rom com chat. And it starts, as always, with what Sophia sees around her in the place where she sits down to write. Currently, the place where I sit down to write is actually on my bed because <laughs> I've been in lockdown with my in my sister's house. And there are no, there's no spare desk space. So I sit on my bed most days, um, looking at the blinds in front of me and trying to sort of shut out the noise of my seven and nine year old nieces downstairs doing their homeschooling. So that is currently where I'm writing from. (laughs) It's very bad for my back, I think. Doing it in the bed, I think that would lead me to to live perhaps quite too much of a luxurious, loose lifestyle if I was doing that. How are you you making sure you are switched on and you're being professional? Are you still in your pyjamas? What's going on? I hate to say it. Today actually has been one of those days where I've yeah I've been in my pajamas up until just speaking for, to you, Dan. I, I've had a shower and got changed especially for you. Right. Okay. I mean, um, it's half two. <laughs> just to let daylight in upon magic, it's half past two. So you know, you're make, you're making strides, Sophia. You're getting there. Yeah, I think with writing you've got to be comfortable though, right? So if I'm comfortable in my t-shirts and you know pajama bottoms, then that's all right with me. As long as I have a shower or bath at some point during the day, which I always do then I think that's all right. No? I, I, you, what works for you, do you, I, I think is the phrase <laughs> exactly. that people are saying now. As uh, long as the words get out. How are you managing to, uh, what, what have you got that's creative around you? I speak to some authors who surround themselves with trinkets, with art on the walls, with plot points. If you're just in a room, in your bed, in your sister's mm. house, what have you got mm. there that brings you to the creative space that perhaps you have at home? Uh, yeah, you know, I don't have anything very visual. I have to hide my phone because I have to literally tuck my phone behind my laptop screen so that it's not in direct eyesight and I'm not tempted to pick it up and go on Twitter every three seconds. Sometimes I turn it off because that's just underlines the point. I'm a real fidgeter with my phone. Um, towards the later stage of writing, I sometimes get I have a massive pin board that I plot a bit like Carrie and Homeland did. If anyone ever watched Homeland, she had that very multicolored sort of mad board about the... Um, the plot that she was trying to uncover. Um, and, and I have lots of little sticky notes sort of depicting, you know, different plot points and different chapters and characters that I need to work on. But that doesn't tend to happen towards the beginning of my books. I have to save that for the end when I'm sort of tying up loose ends. Why do you not do that from right at the start then? Why, why have you not, why are you leaving it till when, you, when you're tying up loose ends rather than trying to tie them up early on? What's happening there? It, because it seems to, it, the way I write, it seems to unfold in my head at the beginning. And I have this sort of vision of normally the main two characters come first and I write loosely around them and their characters and their likes and dislikes and try and get to know them properly. And I write notes on my laptop. So I've got sort of character files for each one. But it's not until I've got, say, around you know, 90 to 100,000 words of the whole book there that I then sit down and for some reason need a visual pinboard um, from start to finish. And it's a bit like a jigsaw then. Once I've got the pieces sort of loosely in place, I can move, I can shuffle them around a bit. But at the beginning, no, for some reason, I just sort of write from my head. You mentioned character notes and, and, and folders mm. and files for them. What form is your is your planning and, and plotting taken 
on the computer if if i were to like if i were to kind of walk in and, and have a have a route around in your in your laptop <laughs> how, how how much could i find out about uh, the story that you're telling i'd love to say that it's very very organized and efficient but it's a bit like my email inbox which actually i can see here currently my email inbox has 16151 unread emails in it so my files for each book tend to go things like book for heroin notes book for heroin new notes book for heroin definitive final notes and then so on for the you know for the hero and I'll do that for various different characters I'll have chapter outline book for final chapter outline book for final final in fact I think it was Beth O'Leary and another author on 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 Instagram recently um who said the same it's a sort of chaotic filing system on there but again if it works and it gets the words out, I know at least that it's all written down somewhere. Therefore, I'd much rather have it on my laptop than in notebooks that I could quite easily lose. So it is at least down somewhere. You mentioned heroin, uh, mm. stuff about the heroin. Now, before we really do jump into the book, which we'll do in a little bit, it uh, makes mm-hmm. me think about names. At what point do you name your character? If you're referring to them as uh, her as heroin, uh, yeah, it's heroin for, for, quite, yeah. for quite a long time. When do you settle yes. upon Florence and, and, and Gwendolyn? <laughs> Gwendolyn, love Gwendolyn. Um, no, actually, to be fair, I normally, that is normally one of the very first things I do and I love it. That's the best bit. So I'm currently working on book four and I have, um, I've got a name for my heroine. Um, I don't want to reveal it yet because I think it's very hard to start writing your main characters if you don't have a name for them. You need to get to know them like you get to know your mates, right? So... I try and come up with, at least for my hero and my heroine, their names very, very early so I can get to know them. And I've been, with book four, I've been really faffing about with my hero's name and it hasn't been right for ages. And I think, actually courtesy of my brother, um, he's helped me come up with a name that just suddenly you think of something and you go, aha, that's right, he is so-and-so. So that is how I've done it mostly with, actually with the plus one, my first book, Holly and Jasper came pretty easily. Um... With my second one, yeah, Lil and Max did as well. Um, and then, yes, in the wish list, which I've got coming out, yeah, Zach and Florence, I think. I, yeah, they all just seem to fit. And once I'd got those names, then I could more easily write around them and work out who they were. What do you mean you had names and, and they weren't working? Surely the only person mm. that they're working for is you. You can call, uh, call your own character whatever you want them to be what why why is it not working because I normally have a sense of who I want that person to be I suppose vague very very vaguely before I start plotting and I I just if it's a you know if I was calling a character you know Polly she was so a Polly she couldn't have been a a Sally or a she couldn't have been Lil Lil was a very different character to Polly in my head and hopefully in the readers heads as well and I just need to I need to pin that down and and her name in my head needs to reflect her character um before I can get to grips with the story if that makes sense it builds on a on a on a great theory that I have which I will tell anybody which um, uh I think I think nominative determinism kind of works the other way so okay. I, I think I think all like for instance my name is Dan. All Dan's are exactly the same. 
Like I've never, I've never <laughs> not known a Dan to be exactly how I am. So, you know, a bit loud, a bit brash, a bit cocky, but you know, kind of sweet and, and lovable. It's, it's the same with you're a Sophia. Yeah, we like Dan. You're, you're a Sophia. Like, if I may, you sound like a Sophia. I can pick a Colin out of a lineup. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> well, oh yeah, I'm very conscious of my sort of honking voice. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. But then I hope that my, I don't know. I mean, I suppose Polly, in a way, she was a bit sort of clumsy and a bit hopeless, lovable. That was what I wanted to get across with her. Um, for Lawrence, my heroine in the wish list, I wanted her to be slightly old fashioned, I suppose. So that seemed to fit with her. Yeah, no, you could be right. But it's just the process I spend. Yeah, I spend the first few weeks when I'm beginning to sort of pull the the strings together of a new book in my head together I spend the first few weeks really trying to think hard about the, the two main names because then it all falls from there for me really well I because my writing life is slightly split in two I, I I'm sort of part journalist part book writer it, it sort of depends but in terms of books um what I tend to do is I will start thinking about a book um and I will go for very long walks. Well, okay, the, the day itself, I will quite often get up and immediately go for a brisk sort of hour-long walk while I mull over what scene I might be writing that day and what I want to cover dialogue potentially in my head between the characters. And then I'll get back, have an extremely strong coffee and write like mad until about lunchtime. Um, I'll probably have another coffee break at some point in between but I know that I have a finite number of hours morning hours when my brain works and I can get out you know between a thousand and fifteen hundred words in that time span whereas in the afternoon if I tried to write a thousand words you know it would take me it would take me until midnight my brain just sort of seems to stop at about lunchtime so normally I stop then down tools go for another walk quite often um with my all my books, actually, um, I've I've escaped for a bit to the country, uh, to Yorkshire and to Norfolk, um, to to escape from the city and to be very isolated and to be able to go and walk and mull over what I've just written or what I'm about to write, and then I'll come back after a long walk in the afternoon, have a inevitably about ten pieces of toast or a piece of cake and a cup of tea, and then I might get one more hour out um, between sort of five and six or a couple of hours if it's a good day between five and seven. Um, and then and then I'll stop for the day and watch some telly and have a glass of wine probably. How good are you at switching off when you're having your what when you're having your glass of wine when you're watching your telly? Uh, how good are you at closing your day's work off and not thinking about the story until tomorrow? I'm pretty good, I think, at switching off. Although I like to think that subconsciously, when I'm say when I'm away and I you know last year I went to Norfolk to write the wish list. Um, say I'm away and I've 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 properly shut myself off from everyone. Um, even when I'm, you know, sitting on the sofa with my wine watching Succession, it was actually when I was in Norfolk. Um, I like to think that underneath, because I've spent all day with the characters, there are things that could be working themselves out. And and I have a sort of fanciful idea that maybe even when I'm asleep at night, you know, things are sort of unravelling or plots are developing. And then I wake up and I think, aha, I know what I need to do with that bit or that chapter. If you're writing while you're also uh, doing other bits of work at the same time, how prepared do you have to be on what you are writing on the day when you are sat down to to, to tell your story? Do you mean with regards to books or and, and juggling it with journalism? Yeah, or, yeah. So it, um, how good are you? Are, I guess when you're comp- compartmentalizing stuff like that, when you are mm-hmm. writing journalism, when you, when you're doing that kind of thing, and uh, if, if you've not got 
the most amount of time that you'd like to to sit there and and leisurely work on your story how how prepared do you have to be to sit there and, and get going yeah it's I, I I would say I'm probably still working this one out I think balancing book writing with um with journalism I do a couple of columns a week it's still a work in progress I would say um I'm normally if I get up I get up very early and if I've got a column to write I'll write the column and then I will try and do some book writing after that but I feel like I don't know if other writers feel like this, I reckon I have about a thousand to one and a half thousand words, as I said, in me and on a good day. And if I've already used up, say, a thousand of those words for a column, <laughs> I will only get 500 words of the book done. And I think that's just how it works. I don't think I can squeeze many more words um, out of me really in a day. Actually, today is a case in point. I had to do a column this morning and then I had to finish a piece of journalism after that and I've done 2,000 words and I'm not sure that the last 500 words were very good <laughs> so I'm waiting for an email from my editor going um did you really want to send this in um so yes it's a bit of a struggle but I'm I'm working on balancing it all how how okay I mean if you're working it maybe you are trying to change things but how okay are you with that with the juggling yeah well, well knowing that you might only get 500 words of a story. Oh, um, yeah, there are days when if I'm really trying to, you know, work hard on a book, it frustrates me. But I've come, I've sort of made my peace with it. I I know now more so with as I'm working on my fourth book, more than I did with my first book, that that is literally just how my brain works. And there might be days when it's frustrating, but there's no point in getting cross because I can't really do anything about it. And I'm much better now at thinking, okay, fine down tools for the day you know take the afternoon off and then tomorrow will be better hopefully and it normally is I normally wake up and think okay let's go and it's fine again the 1500 words that you'd ideally get done how perfect Mm. are they or are you are you prepared to massively overwrite so you can just pick it apart in, in the editing I tend to edit a bit as I go along I'm actually trying to change that I've been experimenting with my fourth book not very successfully with literally just trying to keep going just get the sentence out go 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 go. instead of writing a sentence picking it apart fiddling around with it moving words around I, I suppose because I was originally I started out my writing life as a journalist and therefore I'm more used to writing short pieces you know 500 word pieces or 1200 word pieces you really finesse and you really have to think about every single sentence whereas with a book if you're trying to get to 90 or 1000 words or 100,000 words there isn't you haven't got I mean you know, if you if you leave years and years, then of course you've got the time to to go over every sentence. But I am trying to get better at just getting the words out at the moment, and then going back potentially at the end of the day, and and fiddling around. Um, it's not it's not ha- it's not that successful. And I find it very hard to move on for a sentence if I'm not that happy with the previous sentence. But I think for fiction, the flow is better if you can somehow keep going. So that's an experiment. <laughs> to talking about being a journalist, what else? Apart from that, which which may may be for you a, a bad habit uh, as 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 you're trying to change it, uh, but what mm. what else did did as as writing journalism? Um, mm. What else has that I guess taught you about about novel writing? Well, I think the main one is deadlines. I have to say, I remember my one of my editors at um, HQ at HarperCollins saying she loved journalists who wrote books because generally we hit our deadlines because we've been trained to do that right you know I used to work on newspapers and if you didn't miss your deadline I mean if you didn't hit your deadline you'd be in big trouble Uh, so I have a sort of instilled fear of missing a deadline in me and and I think that is very helpful when it comes to books I think a lot of people 
tend to push book deadlines back but and actually I did have to at one point I think it was with um it was with what happens now my second book I'd had a sort of hideous breakup and had to have an operation and I had to push my deadline back it was only by about five or six days but it still made me feel quite sort of ill with worry (laughs) that I dared to ask if I could move my deadline back and of course my editor was totally cool with it but I felt like I was letting the side down by doing that so that's that's been a real help I think how do you make sure that you get to the deadline if if you hope to be writing 1500 words a day are you are you Mm. breaking that up uh, uh, along the week are you working out right this day I'll do this much that means this week I'll do this much which means this month I'll do right yeah exactly I tend to do I tend to the first 10,000 to 20,000 words of a book I find the hardest because that's uh, when you're getting to know your characters and the plot is sort of working its way out basically and then you get more confidence as you as you go along um so I normally try to get 20,000 words done in a couple of months or a few months I guess and then and then what happens is at that point I normally go away somewhere to the country to squirrel myself away and then I will sit down and I will literally write in my google calendar 1500 words by today 1500 words by today and then at the end of every week I add up and write you know what the total number of words should be at the end of that week in big red letters in my google calendar and it doesn't always of course it doesn't always happen like that um some days are good and some days aren't but it's a general guide leading up to my deadlines which have always been the very beginning of December so far um that that will get me to the hundred that hundred thousand word you know deadline Right at the start of the chat, you you were speaking about how you're you're you do your best work in the morning. That you, mm. if, if you were to write in the afternoon, it would take you ages and ages. Um, mm. uh, how have you discovered that along the way? I just always ha- I, I I've always been a morning person, so I'd normally sort of have no problem. You know, this morning I sort of leapt out of bed at six fifteen and went for a walk. I I know that for whatever reason I operate better in the morning, and then I think it was probably when I was working in an office. Actually, I used to work at Tatler and. I just realized that if I sat back at my desk after lunch and tried to write a piece, it just was like wading through mud, really, trying to get the words out. It, for some reason, just feels a lot, lot harder to even get a sensible sentence out in, you know, in half an hour. And it, and it used to frustrate me because I just would think, well, this is mad because to write this in the morning would take me five seconds and um and as I said I've sort of made peace with it now and I and I and I appreciate that's how my brain works for whatever reason I'm a morning person I have to therefore maximize that time and be as efficient as possible then and then in the afternoon I can sort of chill out a bit and give myself a break and go for a walk or read a book or sort of do whatever I want as a kind of reward you know in the afternoon if I've if I've hit my word count in the morning then I I feel like okay you've done that tick have a break have a kick out kind of thing <laughs> I'm I'm kind of similar to you in in, in being much more productive in the morning but I found that I found that even more so recently when I have kind of figured that out Uh, and I'm wondering whether the label might be half the problem so deciding it's almost like a self-fulfilling isn't it so if I say to myself right I'm a morning person there's no way I can work in the afternoon then perhaps when I am working in the afternoon uh, you've almost given up yes I I do see that and it, it is pigeonholing in a way and actually the other day I had to write a short story and I've just been up against it with various deadlines recently and I did come back and I sort of amazed myself because I just sat back at my desk and finished and really enjoyed writing this short story for someone um and did manage to finish it by about five o'clock but that is so rare 
I it, it was sort of gobsmacking to me that I managed to do it in an afternoon. So more often than not, I think it helps with planning if I just write off the afternoons and, and go along with the morning thing. Just one more on, on being a journalist, not even being mm. a journalist here. But no, go for it. At, you've been surrounded by words for a long, long time in your job. At, at what point did you did you realise that you, you have at least one book in you and actually try and do it? What was the what was the moment there that you thought, you know, I'm going to give this a go? I had various false starts, I think, at this, really. I I was I joined the Evening Standard was my first job as a journalist. And I was approached by an agent not long after that. I'd written a few things to the paper saying, did I want to write a book? I was writing I was writing a column basically for the Evening Standard when I was like 22 about being sort of young Londoner, unable to afford rent and love a lot about my love life back then actually um and and this agent approached me and said did I want to write a sort of non-fiction book and you know when you're 22 or 23 that's like a dream come true uh so I started working on something and actually nothing I then moved to Dubai to work for a newspaper out there and then started writing a book you know a non-fiction single girls adventures in the desert kind of thing which I'm thrilled never saw the light of day because I think it would have been like reading my teenage diary back I think it would have been quite embarrassing um and then I sort of gave up the idea of a book and and thought I couldn't do it and it was really thanks to my very brilliant agent Rebecca Ritchie emailing me when I was then at Tatler a few years later saying hello I really like your writing and have you ever thought of writing a novel because I think you could and etc etc and I think maybe like a lot of writers uh, the, the carrot and stick approach having someone else come to me and say that was was the encouragement that I needed basically and and Becky was extremely patient and I was very slow with writing my first book and every now and then she'd send me an email going just checking in and I think oh god I've only written like a hundred more words since you know four months ago when we last spoke but eventually I got there knowing that she was sort of sitting there patiently waiting and um and that was it really that that first book deal um was enough to make me think okay come on this is you know the most exciting opportunity and the biggest opportunity I'd ever had. Let's let's give it a go. Lastly, on just on the day, um, is there mm. anything else that w- when you're in your day, when you're in your day of writing, be it you know hold up somewhere in, in in the country in Norfolk or wherever you are, is is there something that just keeps you going and helps you out when you are f- facing the block when when the words aren't coming? Is there something that you can turn to, be it music, maybe a cup of coffee at a certain point that just that just helps you out? walking I know I've mentioned already but that and I know a lot of writers say this it's almost a cliche because we bang on about it the whole time but there is something very liberating I think about removing yourself from your computer or if you're writing on hand from your pad of paper and just getting outside and and trudging along and sort of pounding away along the footpath or a field or the beach or wherever and things do somehow settle into place the number of times I've been really frustrated that I can't seem to crack something a crucial plot development and in frustration I sort of slam my laptop shut and go for a walk and then somehow uh what what needs to happen becomes apparent is amazing um there's magic that's the sort of magical bit of it I think really um so I would say walking and yeah food I mean a lot of toast (laughs) I eat a lot of toast when I'm away writing it was actually embarrassing I realized in Norfolk last year when I was away by myself I was getting through a pack of butter a week by myself which is quite a lot of butter I think well you need you need all those carbs all that carbs and fat just to get you walking Uh, 
Yeah, I suppose. I mean, that's what I told myself. But I did. I normally do put on weight when I go away writing, even though I I walk for miles, just because the sheer amount of toast that I get through is actually quite obscene. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Now, very quickly, before we get back to it with Sophia, just a little nudge towards our Patreon page. If you are loving the show, if you've heard any tips that has helped the way that you tell your stories, please do help us out. It means so much. You can support us over at patreon.com forward slash writers routine. There's a few tiers in there that you can get involved in uh, and you get different things from thanks to merch to actually having your book sponsor the show, which I think is pretty brilliant. If if your book launch has been slightly ruined by um, lockdown over the last few months, well, let me push the book out there for you. Uh, Some podcasts are sponsored by Razors or Spreadsheet Software. We're sponsored by you. It's so easy to do. It goes such a long way, I promise. Just help us out over at patreon.com forward slash writers routine. Right, let's get back to it then with Sophia Money Coots talking about her brand new book, The Wishlist. In this part, we talk about the voice that Sophia told the story in and why that took her some time to find. Also, you can hear about the planning of it and when ideas pop into her head. And we pick things up with the wish list, and where she got that very first idea at a very, a very different party. Well, I hope it doesn't shock anyone. I got invited to a dinner that my friend Jackie was throwing a couple of years ago. And Jackie, she used to be a journalist actually, and she moved, she went to work for a tech company, a young tech startup. And she emailed me at one point and said, did I want to come to this tech startup dinner she was throwing to celebrate a a a sex tech startup it was a new young company that started making sort of very beautiful vibrators the sort that you know could sit on a mantelpiece and nobody would be any the wiser and it was in a sort of trendy notting hill restaurant and jackie said you got everyone was getting a free vibrator at their place sitting so i was like yeah okay a free dinner and a free vibrator why not so i went along and um it was mostly women I think all women actually which would make sense and you reckon <laughs> yeah I mean I think yeah it was yeah pretty much just us and I sat next to an amazing woman who told me about she had quite a sort of sad life story initially she'd become pregnant with her ex-boyfriend and I can't remember why but they'd split up very dramatically halfway through her pregnancy and she 
was devastated, alone suddenly, you know, five months pregnant, not sure what to do. And then to try and help herself get over this and be positive, she decided to sit down and write a list of exactly what she was looking for in a guy. And I remember it was very detailed, her list. She talked me through it. It had about 30 things on it from um, sort of height and physical characteristics to his more innate character um, attributes. And then she said, and I, and I met him. He came into my life. And she was, this was, I think, a couple of years on, and, and she was still madly head over heels in love with this guy. He had become the de facto dad to her child. And she believed that, he, you know, the power of positive thinking and, and putting this, this list out into the universe had really worked for her. And then I also, I told my stepmom this story a few weeks later, and my stepmom went, well, yes, darling, of course, that's what I did with your father. I was like, What? And she said, yes, yes, I, I, I did this when I wanted to meet your father, when I wanted to meet, you know, someone and it was your father. And I was like, well, what did you write? And she said, well, I wrote tall, British and a rower, which was quite random. My dad rode for Oxford and then England when he was younger. And I was like, why a rower? And she said, well, darling, because they have excellent rhythm. <laughs> I said, okay. okay, that is enough. I don't need to know anymore. Thank you very much. Um, we talk about sex a lot in my family, which won't surprise anyone who's read my books, maybe. Um... But that really set me off. I just thought my sort of fictional antennae waggling at this point. I loved the concept of having a heroine who wrote a list of things that she was looking for in a guy. And I just thought I could have a lot of comedy fun with it. So that was where I started, really. And then I built from there with with poor old Florence. (laughs) Well, I need to just pick that apart then. You say built from there. I know it might be quite quite tedious and perhaps slightly hard to do for for a writer, but... But what does that building consist of? What happens between the moment where you've got this idea about a yeah. woman that writes a, a list about her perfect uh, partner? What happens between that day and the day when you actually sit down to start writing? Mm, it's not tedious at all, I should say. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I love talking about all this. It's um, What happens was I started, okay, so I thought a wish list. Okay, there's a woman who wants to write a wish list for what she's looking for in a guy. And then I I think what I tend to do is I sit down literally with a blank word document and I write very gobbledygooky notes to myself that only really I would understand. You know, it's like wish list woman. And I decided she she'd probably never had a I decided she never had a boyfriend really in her life. And I started what I what I want to do always with my books is not just have the attention solely on the, the the two main characters. I always want there to be a cast of sort of comedy characters around them, a bit like um, in a Richard Curtis film, the way that, you know, he always has this amazing cast of, mm. of mad and brilliant people. I, I kind of always want to try and do the same. And therefore, I decided that with the wish list, Florence was going to have this... Um, very domineering and socially ambitious stepmother and it was going to be the stepmother who who forced this poor stepdaughter off to go and see a love coach and that was how the wish list would come about because Florence has never had a boyfriend I decided um because I thought that was quite interesting you know a 30 something who's always been quite shy and and feels a bit sort of um left out or left behind in a way because her love life has never amounted to much and and I really just start developing ideas almost like a spider diagram out from the central concept and just work from there, really, if that's if that's clear enough. How much do you need to know before you do sat, sit down and, and start writing that first sentence? Um, 
I normally do know the ending. So I do normally work out quite a lot because I want to know where I'm writing to. Uh, I don't actually, with my fourth book, totally know the ending at the moment, but I have a very clear image of the beginning and the, the two characters and some of the characters around them. Um, so, yeah, I've normally mapped out, like I said, in all those very random Word documents, endless chaotic Word documents. I have normally fleshed out quite a lot of what I'm doing and I will have very loose chapter outlines that sort of take me through pretty much the whole novel. Um, I don't I don't like sitting down and just writing blind, starting, you know, without any idea of, of where I'm going to with these people. I, I need a bit more structure than that. I tried to, I did start writing in third person. I thought my first two books, having been in first person, I'd give third person a go. And I got to about, I think I got about a third, maybe halfway through. And I was really struggling with it. And I, I vividly remember... There was a pub. I was in this very isolated house in Norfolk, but there was luckily a pub in the village. And I walked down there. It was my Friday evening treat was to go to the pub by myself and have, you know, chips and crab, actually, because it was by the sea. Chips, crab and a glass of wine and with my laptop. And this one Friday evening, I was really frustrated because I knew I was halfway through, but I was just struggling and it just didn't feel like I was getting anywhere with it. It didn't feel right in a way. And so I, I then instantly, I remember in that pub, started, I created a whole new Scrivener document because I actually, after Word, normally I transfer everything to Scrivener and just started very laboriously going through and changing everything from third person into first person. And as soon as I'd done that, I knew I was on the right track again and it felt, it felt more fluid. It felt like I could, I could write more easily again. What, what, what was holding you back about third person, do you think? I think uh, the inner monologue that all my protagonists have had, I just couldn't get to grips with the emotions and the feelings and writing that convincingly when she was in third person. It just felt a lot more uh, yeah, fluid um, when I changed her into first person. I could more easily imagine her. I could more easily feel what she was feeling and therefore translate that to the page and it just made it it happen a lot more easily um so it it just having having said to my editor and my agent that I really wanted to try a book in in third person I I felt a bit like I failed in a way um and I had to go back to first person but I just yeah I do now feel much more comfortable in first person and never say never I I I would love to give third person a a stab again but I did realize then or last year writing the wish list that it's it was much much harder for me than first person when you are plotting and you know Mm. you said that quite a lot of the time you will know the ending you know the direction that you're heading towards Um, Mm. if say for instance you as the writer you are driving a car along a road that's going to take you to this uh, you know final point that you the end destination at what at what moment are other plot ideas coming through the windscreen so you can see them if that makes sense no it totally does um I think it happens as I go along really I mean I normally have again to use the sort of puzzle example it's like I've got the outline you know when you do a puzzle although actually I hate puzzles um you do the outline first right and then you fill in the details so when it comes to my books I tend to have an overarching sort of idea of the story you know from chapter one to the last chapter and quite often with the plus one and what happens now, I actually wrote the very final scene quite early on. Um, and then the stuff in the middle, although I will have a very loose chapter outline, the little details, you know, what happens on a day-to-day basis or week to, 
to week basis, that tends to come as I'm writing. Um, it just, yeah, ideas just pop into my head as I go. When you're writing in first person and you are heading towards this this, this final uh, place, uh, mm. how willingly does your character go where you want her to? They're pretty biddable, my heroines, luckily. So I've never had a problem with that. I've never had to had words with them and tell them that, you know, no, 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 this is what's going to happen. Um, so... Yes, that's that's been all right. It's like they know what's good for them, really. And, I, and I've got their best interests at heart. I always want, I basically want my books to make people laugh and for them to be uplifting. So I've, you know, I, I, I've always, I'm looking out for my heroines, basically. Nothing too bad, ultimately, so far has happened to any of them. So, um, so yeah, they listen to me. When you're writing a story where you, you've got, as you've said, like, there's almost the Richard Curtis uh, 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 cast mm, in there. You've cast. got... You, you know, you've got an eccentric love coach. You've got the, the stepmom. You've got the dashing yeah. man. Uh, how are you? How are you making these characters, which some of which have been touched on before? How are you making them different and, and unique to you? What I did with the wish list, actually, as an experiment, very early on, I actually cast them as a film. So when I was thinking of Florence, I I literally sort of Googled young British actresses and I was looking and being like, is it her? Is it her? Is it her? And I did the same with, oh, I don't want to give away any of the plot line and talking about the men involved slightly does. But but I did the same basically with all the main characters. Um, I I cast them in my head so that I had I had an idea of sort of who they were. And I did think, I mean, I, I, forgot, I forgot who I cast fairly quickly, but I do think it helped at the beginning to have them sort of, assembled in my head as these as these real people are you writing in would you define it as like rom-com is that the genre you're in yeah I'd hope so I think so um I love you know I have absolutely no problem I love rom-com I have absolutely no problem with chicklet either um I'm frankly delighted to be any form of lit so yeah I'm happy (laughs) with anything really (laughs) when you're writing in something like that you know if you say chicklet when you're writing where, where there is a clear a clear definition of what the story has to do and who it's mm. going to be sold to how much do you think about that when you are writing and kind of staying true to the form of other chiclet stories I suppose a bit and I think that's developing with the more books that I write not to say that I'm thinking about what the readers more what want more but I think I, I I'd hope that I'm sort of improving my writing technique when it comes to you know making readers feel something when it comes to a book and it's not that I'm desperately trying actually with the plus one I know the ending of the plus one upsets quite a lot of readers and I've had emails from lots of women who I mean without giving anything away for people who haven't read it they they wanted Holly to end up with with the other one um who she doesn't um and I did feel a bit guilty about that but also it's my story ultimately so I'm kind of going to write what I want to write and of course I want people to to love it and to laugh that's always my main aim um but but it is it is my story so I just hope that that people like it that is it then for this week's writer's routine thank you so much to Sophia for coming on uh her new book The Wishlist is out next week now on the 6th of August. You can pre-order it if you like the sound of it. Just use the link that's in the episode notes wherever you're listening to this. Then it's win, win, win. Uh, You get the book. Sophia sells the book. We get a little kickback as well. 
Uh, now, next week, we're with Christopher Fowler talking about his brand new Oranges and Lemons book. And that is a great chat. He properly explores the craft of writing. Uh, make sure you come back next week for that and you can subscribe to it so you never miss an episode. Uh, just search Writer's Routine wherever you're listening to this. Uh, you can also let us know what you think online. Get in touch at writersroutine.com. You can give us a follow on Twitter as well. We are at writerspod there. Uh, and also do leave us a review uh, on Apple Podcasts if you fancy as well. That would mean the world. Uh, and we will see you next week with Christopher Fowler on Writer's Routine. Bye. <laughs>